video. Hey everybody, I gotta figure this out. Oh, it says rotate my phone. We are going live. And I have to uh, hook this up really quick here. While we spool up, this is like, uh, so can everybody hear me? We are, all right, we have people joining. Let me adjust this. Um, I've got my, um, my, uh, okay, welcome to, uh, to uh, C-Squad Live. And uh, while it's spooling up, we have, um, this is a live edition, and tonight we have three-time national champ, Scotty Paulson, number 33, along with Tracy Johnson on the show. Like each week, we're having technical difficulties, and normally we have a chance to kind of discuss what we're gonna discuss before we go live, but because we've had technical difficulties, mainly on my end. Um, we're winging it as usual because that's what you do when you're a racer or an entrepreneur. And uh, But uh, to give it time to spool up, um, I can see um, Doug and Jeff and Sean and uh, John and lots of people spooling up. So well, will I give it time to spool up on Facebook? Um, I'm going to rattle off my normal... Um, my normal uh, rantings, but I'm just gonna cover national points real quick uh, because we, I think, unofficially finished fourth in national points out of 750 drivers, and uh, Skeeter Esty is your two-time national champ in the Wasota Midwest Modified, which is really cool. He won like 30 races and 47 tries, which is like next level. And then, of course, Austin Hunter is in second, and Lance Schill is in third, I'm in fourth, Dan Wheeler is fifth. Um, Lauren Johnson from South Dakota is sixth. Cody Lee's seventh. Tony Canold is eighth. Uh, Brandon Marinworth ninth. Brock Grunswold tenth. And uh, these are all unofficial because this is an unofficial show. But let me tell you about fourth. Personally, for me, finishing fourth was kick ass because, you know, fourth, you think about force there's like four tires on a car i mean four means something uh it does to me anyway but it was a great season uh, we're gonna kick into our guests i thought when when i was at the wasota 100 uh first we're gonna talk to uh scotty paulson and then we're gonna talk to uh tracy johnson and uh but when we were at the 100 i was talking to scotty and his new flagman buddies and um we we're talking about like the flagman's perspective and all of that, so we're gonna talk about that. Um, and I don't really have any uh, rebel rants uh, because I haven't been racing, so I haven't, don't have anything to rant about uh, other than it was a really good season for me personally. Um, I was looking at the stats and 16 wins, like, I don't know, a lot of top fives, 54 top tens, I think we had like six DNFs, did not finishes of which three we were leading, huh? That's kind of bad, bad breaks. And three were probably because the driver had his helmet on backwards. Um, but anyway, um, so uh, without further ado, let's welcome Scotty Paulson to the show. Scotty, are you there? I'm here. Okay, let's talk about, for people who don't know you, um, just like, 
share who you are because I know you as a legend. You're like a three-time national champ. Together, you and I have like 350 wins. So how many wins did you have when you're racing? <laughs> I'm close to 300, but I'm not sure exactly where I'm at. Oh, shit. So I can say both you and I together are close to 400 wins and three national champs between the two Scots. Awesome. So when, did you always race with soda or did you race IMCA stock cars? I never did race IMCA, but uh, something I was wanted to try. But no, we started it in uh, mini stocks. Dad built me my first race car, it was a Pinto. And we raced mini stocks at St. Cloud and Brainerd and did that for four years, five years before we jumped into street stocks. Hey, uh, Jeremy, you said turn the phone. Are you talking to uh, me or Scott, Scotty Paulson? I'm thinking you're talking to me. Do I need to turn the phone, people? Hey, Lynn. Hey, Susan. Thanks all for joining us. Is it coming in loud and clear? Okay, so I'm going to go with it. We're good. So many, you started with mini stocks, and then how many uh, years did you raise a street stock? Uh, first year in streets was 1994 and we retired in 2008. So long time. Oh yeah. That's, uh, 1994. That's 14 years. Yeah. Four, long time. 14 years, uh, close to 300 wins, three national championships. So what was like your, your dad helped you raise your whole career, right? He was your a crew chief. Oh yeah. He was, always, he was always there. Crew chief spotter uh you name it that was him oh yeah did you have signalers like they do now was he giving you signals from the from the uh pits we had uh way more subtle signals <laughs> but yeah we had signals <laughs> he didn't like to be real obvious with his signals but they were there <laughs> oh well give us a secret paulson signal well i it, it always mattered where his hands were. Like, the higher his hands were, the closer they were to me. So once his <laughs> hands went down to his side, then I had a big lead. So oh. then we were good. <laughs> oh, yeah, but if he was <laughs> like, if he was like, this, if he was gripping his chest, then you were, you had him on you. Yeah, he was either excited, having a heart attack, or they were right on me. <laughs> <laughs> So, so where in, with all of the racing you did, um, I know when I started in the streets, uh, in my first year was 19, uh, I'm all confused now, but 2000, excuse me, 2006 was my first year and, um, in a street stock and I knew you then of being a legend. I think you were kind of like, kind of getting towards okay. retired. So... All the tracks you've raced, what was your favorite? Favorite track? I always liked Alexandria. I, I just, once I got on that half mile, and then once you figure the place out, and you find that fast line, it's just, it's just so much fun to race on that place. Mm-hmm. So who and, was, if I showed up with the street stock and said, hey, Scotty, do you want to race one more time? Who would you most want to race against? Who would I most want to race against? Yeah. I had the most fun racing. Oh, I dropped you, Scott. <laughs> That's... 
That's nothing compared to what I what I do with this show uh, on technical difficulties. Um, I had the most fun racing against. I, we're going back to Dave Roweter and Rusty Coleman. We were all such good friends, and I didn't get to race against Rusty a whole lot. So I think it'd be fun to battle him one more time. Oh yeah. He's more of a he's more of a cerebral type racer, and that's 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 the most fun to race against. You know, you got to think a couple moves ahead. What is a cerebral? Well, he's always thinking. He's oh, thinking. You know, okay. He's a thinker. Yeah, that just went right <laughs> over my head. Um, oh, oh, I heard you, you and Myron Shackert used to put on some heck of a shows. Yes, we had our battles in uh, Montevideo most of the time. Most of the time? We used to swap the league quite a bit. But that, and he was fun to race against, too. It was always a nice, clean race. And we both had... Orange cards, even if we did hit, it didn't matter. Yeah, yeah. The uh, did you ever get the row reader bump? Um, I'm sure I did. It's not jumping off the top of my head. Though. I remember the time I gave him one. Oh yeah. Well, he I got it all the time when I was racing street. You'd always knew he was behind you because you'd start hearing this bump, or you'd feel this bump going to the corner, and he'd bump you into the corner where you got squiggly, and then he'd pass you, and. Um, yeah, the uh, he was fun to watch. The uh, impossible to beat. Did you beat Dave when you guys were racing? Pretty. You know, the, the one time I remember beating Dave was at the Jamestown Stampede, and all the poor guy wanted was to get his name on that sweatshirt. <laughs> and we came out of we we came out of a B main. We won the B main that year. And came from the back of the feature and then won the feature, passed him for the win in the feature at the Stampede. Oh, wow. And the one time I really remember beating him. Otherwise, I think it was probably, he probably got the better of me most of the time. But. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Would you, um, what do you think of IMCA stock cars versus Wasoda street stocks? Um, I, gosh, those IMCA stock cars are just kind of cool and I've always really wanted to get in one the street I mean the Wasoda car is it's home that's home to me that's familiar so I'm always parts of those Wasoda cars but the IMCA deals they're just crazy to watch I mean you watch the videos from Marshalltown and Boone and those guys are just it's insane how close they get and how wide how many three four wide just nuts and you've done uh, in your own racing career, you did a lot of traveling, but since you've retired, you've d also done a lot of traveling, where you went to a lot of tracks. And that. What's the coolest track you've been to as a fan? Oh, there's so many. That's Lucas Oil Speedway and Wheatland. That thing is so state-of-the-art and top-notch. Um, but this one I've been to, there's a track called Belclair Speedway by St. Louis. And that is the coolest place because it is fifth mile, tiny, tiny, tiny track, and they run late models on that thing. <laughs> and they late models, and they go up onto the fence to make the corner. It's just the craziest thing you've ever seen. But there's just so many cool places out there. But those are two that definitely jump out at me. Oh yeah, the uh, um, I remember uh, when you came to rugby with the folks. <laughs> The geographic uh, center of North America. So uh, that was pretty cool. I felt like a rock star to, when Scotty Paulson and, and family came to uh, watch uh, Scott Vince race in rugby. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's uh Yeah, that's uh that's the track where the pits are right in front of the stands. So if that you don't, the first if you don't like a driver, like yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, that was crazy. Anything you've seen um out there when you've been to all those tracks that you uh seen that you the tracks do that you think more tracks should do this? If if you're going based based off like what Lucas Oil Speedway does, it's just so everything is based toward the spectator. I mean it's there's they only got like a, a bar up there, the diamond bar and and then they got a go-kart track behind the grandstands and just stuff like that. It's just geared for not just the races, but making it an event, you know. You can go there and hang on the bar and then the kids can take them out, go-kart. And, oh, and do they have like, uh, like they have like rental go-karts or whatever? Yeah, like a actual go-kart little track and you pay and you drive race go-karts. Yeah, huh. it's right there behind the grandstands. Huh. Yeah, so, I... That's a cool idea. What would you tell the the rookie Scotty Paulson or the rookie street stock guy out there? You know, uh, Charlie Christ, who helps me, uh, he races a street stock and um, he's always eager to learn. So what would you tell the rookie street stock guy who's getting his ass whipped by people like you week in and week out? How does he get faster? What's he got to tell himself? What, mm, if I'm talking to myself, when I was a rookie, I would tell myself that there is a brake pedal. <laughs> because I know, <laughs> I know when I started, I hit everything there was to hit. Because I thought, well, this is easy, and I'm just putting my foot to the floor and going, and I hit, I, don't even, I can't even, I hit other cars, I got black flagged, I hit a light pole, um, I hit a big <laughs> pile of tires. I mean, just... Just, I just hit everything. I destroyed that car. So that's, I guess, the main thing is that there is a brake pedal. Wow. And spend your money on the right things. You know, you, you don't need the best of the best when you start. Spend it on the right things. And work your way up, you know, as you learn what you're doing with the car, then get your better engine and get a little faster that way. Right. But learn what you're doing before you have the best of the best. How did you... Um... How did you get better as a driver? Just wheel time? I mean, were you asking questions of people or how did you kind of get better as a driver? Like, you know, who um, told you, hey, dude, there's a brake pedal in your car too? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what helped me the most was my mom always videotaped. And after that first year that I raced and hit everything there was, I watched that video. I watched the videos over and over and over and over. And that just helped me a ton, just watching myself. I didn't really ask for much advice from anybody because I was pretty quiet back mm -hmm. then. Because yep. <laughs> I started when I was 16 and just right. wanted to race, you know, and probably pissed off a lot of guys and they didn't want to talk to me. So <laughs> just watching those videos of myself over and over again helped me a ton. And I still watch him now. <laughs> yeah. I was just talking to someone, by the way, who said Scotty Paulson is the best street stock driver of all time. So you still have that reputation. Personally, okay. I think I think it would be really cool to see you and um, Dave Roweeder. My idea of street stock race would be you, 
Dave Roweeder, Rusty Coleman, might as well throw Ricky Thornton Jr. in there and a borrowed uh, street stock, and Timmy Johnson, and um, and uh, Vogel, and uh, God, boy, there's a few of them in there, but that would be like the all-star invitational in my book. I kind of secretly <laughs> think you'd beat them all, but uh, I could be you, wrong. You wouldn't put yourself in there? No, I would. You know, oh, I've been racing know. 10 years and not one time has someone said, hey, will you come drive my street stock and work the bugs out of it? Not once. <laughs> I've had that with the B mods a few times, but not <laughs> once with the street. <laughs> all right. <laughs> there, there, there was a part of me that... Um, wanted to drive since you know charlie's been helping me and he's got a street stock there's a part of me that thought i wonder if i can drive a street now 10 years you know after racing a b mod for nine years am i now better qualified to race a street um uh now knowing what i know about racing or would it be the same um oops would it be the same as it was where you got this heavy ass rear ended rear car that if you get her uh, that much sideways, you're spinning out anyway. <laughs> I think you'd be all right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You never know. Well, after the stampede, Charlie said, well, you should have told me that I, maybe we could have swapped cars. But anyway, um, I don't know. His car looks pretty good. So I don't ever remember my street stop looking as nice as his does. So, um, so uh, let's talk about being a flagman. So now you, as a racer, you've gotten good calls, bad calls. You, uh, now you're the one making calls. So what's that like? Yeah. Um, it's, well, I mean, obviously it's just really different being on, you can't imagine being on that side and you feel like, like when I took the job, I felt like, you know, how hard could it be? I've been in the position, I've been on the track, you know, and uh, how hard can it be? And then once you get up there, you realize you can't look in every direction and you really do depend on your corner workers and your people in the tower and everybody seeing what's going on. And there was a couple run-ins this year with guys who weren't happy with calls. And all I can say is, you know, that's what the corner worker called and I didn't see it. I'm going to back them up and... It's yeah, it's just really different. Um, so if you look at know. if you look at your whole racing career, fourteen years, almost three hundred wins, is it true you win some, you lose some, and it balances out in the end? Um, yeah, it's I suppose <laughs> that's an interesting question. Are you just trying to stop me? No, I'm just like from a, you know, because now you've got to talk to people and say, hey, you know, we maybe we got it wrong. You know, we don't have instant replay. We don't, we got a, a crew of volunteers. We're not going to get it right all the time. It's nothing personal. Um, it's easy to take it personal, right? Um, as right. a driver, I mean... Um, I couldn't help but notice when I criticized a, drive, uh, a flag man and suggested um, he should do what he says he's going to do. Meaning, it, uh, we had a, there's a flag man that said, hey, if you jump, you're going to the back and da-da-da. And he, people jumped and he didn't do that. And so another gentleman in the feature jumped, did what he did in the heat, caused a great big pileup. And I said, hey, yeah, he jumped. 
But I think there's a little bit that's on the flag man because he didn't police. He told him it was okay to jump because he didn't penalize him in the feature. Now, coincidentally, that flag man um, tail-ended me on a call that, to my understanding, even the fans booed. But yet, oh. like, so um, how do you not, like, the correct answer is a flag man. Don't take it personal. At the same token, when I was racing, if Row Eater and I got into a wreck and I was a flagman, I can see why they would tend to lean towards Row Eater being a better driver. And it's probably the knucklehead new guy that caused the wreck, right? I mean, when you don't totally see it. But so how, what I'm asking is, uh, how do you be non-biased? So you got the red-headed rebel who can't drive a street stock, right? And feels like he's, the calls are going against him for no reason. What do you, like, how do you help me realize that you're just calling it the best you can? Well, you just got to get in the mindset that there's, that's not Scott Dents out there raced and that's just number one S. You know, like when you, you came to Wilmer that night and raced, obviously I knew you better than anybody other, you know, any other guys out there, but you, that's not you out there racing. That's just number one F. And, and there actually was a call that went against you, you know, and yeah. it sucked. <laughs> I really didn't yeah. like it, but having to put you to the back, you know, yeah. but so that's kind of how you have to do it. You have to just kind of have to separate yourself from, you know, even Vogel. That's not Justin Vogel out there. That's just a yellow number 10 car. Right. And, you know, I, I have a lot of friends who race in Wilmer, but you just hope that there's not a situation where they get pissed off at you and you got to explain away and, do you, do like you said, there was a couple run in, but right. what's the nice part um, of now, like Dirt Race Central is always in Wilmer. So after the fact, if there's a controversial call, it's awesome that they do the replays and they show it. And I can kind of verify that we got the right call or we got the wrong call. And I know if I got to go apologize to somebody or explain what we saw, because mm -hmm. we don't have instant replay at, at that moment. It's yeah. two days later that we see it on Facebook. Right. And we can either feel good about it or we can feel really bad about it. So yeah, that's just what people kind of have to realize is that we're just people. We're right. not, there's no flagman college. There's no nothing. <laughs> we're just, you know, we're just out there trying to keep, do the best we can and trying to keep racing going. So yeah. I just hope, you know, people keep that in mind. That's right. going to help everybody. Do you think, um, like it, when I've been a fan sometimes and someone will get tail-ended, do, can the flagman, does the flagman talk to the announcer so the fans know, you know, why is my favorite driver, the one ass, going to the back again <laughs> for no apparent, what looks like no apparent reason? I mean, is there ever any discussion that, hey, they should share this stuff out or what the thinking was of, you know, hey, the, the 33 came in too hot, wasn't using the brake, and uh, spun the 33, or the you know, the one, and that's how we're calling. That's nothing we did in Wilmer. I mean, the, the, the people in the tower that do the lineups, they have the headsets. And so that's something that's probably a good idea. You know, that's to let everybody know because more often than not in Wilmer, I mean, I'm right there by the flag stand and there's people yelling at me down there for something I did. <laughs> um. Oh, the, from the fan <laughs> side, the fan sider. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. First, 
first night ever flagging. First night ever. And it, I will admit that it was not the best night. And uh, after the races, I had a guy yelling at me about the Hornet race. Mm-hmm. He was not happy what happened in the Hornet race. So, and you got to keep it in mind that, you know, every race is important. Everybody, you know, right. you know, as well as I do, we all put a lot of time into our cars. It doesn't matter what class. Right. So right away, first night, I'm getting yelled at about Hornets. So... <laughs> Well, yeah. maybe he was getting, you know, they got like the Hornet Nationals in Proctor. I think they pay like a thousand bucks to win. So oh. there's some, you know, uh, but he yes. Was geared up for that. Yeah. So um, <laughs> has anybody bought you a new pair of glasses? Oftentimes I see people will comment that Flagman needs some glasses. Has anyone actually showed up with a pair of glasses for you? <laughs> Uh, nobody has done that yet. I've just gotten the, uh, wow, you really blew that call. I got that. Yes. Um, the one night a guy stopped on the front stretch, he didn't agree with the call, and I basically told him the call was against you, I'm sticking with that, then you might as well move. And, yeah, I mean, yeah. but no, I haven't got any free pairs of glasses yet. Right. Um, although, you try to be kind of polite when you tell someone to go to the back, or is that, or did the lineup people do that they're doing the call so do you tell the lineup people hey the one ass is going to the back or um do you tell if them? a if a incident happens i you will usually wait whoever's in that corner if it happens in corner one i expect that corner one guy to yell out what he thinks and if i disagree or agree i'll say it on the radio um we come to an, i mean obviously i the flag man has the final call right so if I don't agree with it, I overrule it, whatever. But I think I did that one time this year because right. they're in the corner. They see it. That's, you know, they're right there. Right. Um, that, that gets radioed up to the lady doing the transponders, the lineups. She does the lineup. And then usually once she was done with the lineup, then I double them up or whatever right. had to be done. So yep. That's kind of how we work there. But. So... Very cool. So, uh, did the, the corner guy, was he mad at you afterwards? Did you guys talk and figure it out or how does that work? Or do you have to get a new corner um, guy? No, he was okay with it. But like I said, it was only one time. He just, when he said what he thought he saw, I said, no, that's not what, you know, that's not really what I saw. And that's kind of, and that's what we went with. So, so no, he seemed like he was okay. Yeah. Do you have an assistant flag man that hands you the flags, or are you a one-man stand? Um, the first night, when it did not go very well, then my, my mom and my sister and her boyfriend and all the grandstands watched, and then my sister said, um, I'll go up there with you and help you out until you get more used to it. And, and then she, so she came up there, and then she just did the whole... Oh. Oh, hold on. Oh, goodness. Hey, folks, we're going to get him back. I'm not quite sure what happened here, but we are going to... Um, I don't know if I've lost my uh, internet connection here. Oh, goodness, come on, Betsy. Um, we're going to get this going. I'm very sorry for the technical difficulty that I seem to have um, week after week. So... Oh, we will get this better. Um, so, how about them Green Bay Packers? Um, hopefully we're getting our meeting going here. 
right. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, hopefully my guests will uh, call back in. I'm not sure what happened there. Oh, here we go. We got... Hey, Tracy. Can you hear me, Tracy? Yeah, I can. Hey, let's have you on here real quick while Scotty comes in. <laughs> I don't know what happened there. I've never had the meeting go down like that. So, Tracy... You had the meeting set up for a time frame, and it, it uh, oh. got out on you. All right. Watch the time of your head there. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess I hadn't done that before. Hopefully Scotty will, uh, get back to us, but hey, uh, for those, uh, who are still hanging in there, Tracy Johnson, uh, races the 19 Midwest Modified, uh, out of South Dakota. Where are you from, uh, Tracy? I'm from Lake Preston, South Dakota. I'm about, uh, 25 miles straight west of Brookings, about, uh, probably 50 miles straight east of Huron, so. Oh, awesome. That's your hot rod behind us there? Yeah, that's my beat up pile of junk. <laughs> oh yeah, what? Uh, so, how was your racing season? Oh, it was. I'd say it was subpar. Um, had two feature wins, was all. Um, battled the car the first half of the season and lost the motor. Beginning of the season and it took a while to get going, but the end of the season wasn't too bad. We were starting to consistently run up front. So. Cool. Yeah, I know. Uh, when I raced, yeah, when I guess it was in. Uh, I think it was, well, somewhere he went by me like I was on jack stand, so it seemed like he had the car uh, dialed in. Maybe it was Madison, I can't quite remember, but. Um, yeah, I doubt that happens. <laughs> what uh, what kind of uh, uh, Midwest Modified do you have? Um, it's a dirt chassis. My dad um, built our cars for us, um, and my twin brother Tyler and I, we kind of put them together ourselves when we finished up building them up for us, so. Kind of do our own deal, try to figure it out ourselves. So you can battle at times, but it's a lot of fun trying to figure your own car out. Um, you're not, don't have a chance to get a call other than kind of bounce ideas off of you know, my dad and my brother. Um, Tony Conald's got a car. Sean mm -hmm. Olson from Alexandria's got a car. So okay, you can bounce ideas off of them, but you really don't kind of wing it sometimes. See what you can come up with. Yeah. So you build it from the frame all the way to the putting the rubber on it. Yep, yep, go to the junkyard, get an old Impala and tear it down and start from scratch. Oh wow, that's awesome. Um, so how long have you been racing Midwest Mods? Um, Midwest Mods, I started racing with Soda in 2013. Um, before that I raced USRA B Mods, which I started racing in the middle of 07. So I've been racing B Mods for quite a while. First started racing B mods. We were racing down around the Sioux Falls area, and I'm sure everybody around kind of knows what kind of fiasco they have going down there with their racetracks. So I've been doing the Wasota deal for the last five, six years. Oh yeah, what do you what do you uh, what do you like about one or the other? Like, what do you like about Wasota, and what do you like about USRA, or <laughs> or what what like what sucks on one or the other? Or? I try to be reasonably positive, uh, but I, uh, you know, Wasota is nice because there's a lot of tracks around around the area for me. I can race three nights a week if I want to. Um, as far as the rules go, I I really like the USRA rule package. Um, I like their tire better. Their tire lasts a, a bit longer. You're not buying tires all the time. 
Um, and the main thing is rear suspension, the USRAB mod versus the Wasota Midwest mod. Um, their rear suspension, you can kind of pick and choose how you want to set it up. Um, it's a three-link suspension, but you don't have to have your bar angles within five degrees from side to side, and you know, spring and shock location can be different from side to side. And you know, one package might fit one driver better than the other, and you can kind of figure out what, what works best for you and, and be more competitive. So if you were writing the rules for the Wasota Midwest Modified, what would you update or modify? Um, there's, a, you know, there's a couple things that, that I think need to change. I, I hope they would change. Um, the bar angle is, is the main one. You know, we gotta be within five degrees from, from left to right. And you see, it, it doesn't get teched very often. And you, you start your year off, and, and as the tracks change throughout the year, you might scale your car a couple times, and you forget to check that bar angle rule. You might put, put a little bite in the car. You might you know, put a couple turns on the left rear, take a couple out of the right rear, and now your bar angles are off, and you can get DQ'd for it. And I don't think it's there's a huge advantage on the racetrack, whether it's off outside that five-degree rule. And... From the guys and people stand sit in the stands watch and think you're a cheater all of a sudden because they you get DQ'd and they don't know why. And I just right. think it's not it's a rule that doesn't get checked enough if they're gonna have it. Right. Yeah. I you just you're on the tech guys and get rid of it and and you'd be just fine. I and that's my yeah. opinion. I'm sure right. there's guys out there that have a different opinion than I do. Well, the reality of it is is most tracks don't even have an eight foot by 16 foot level ground of which to measure it. I mean, that's right. the, you know, where. It's hard, you know, a tech guy just can't crawl underneath the car and, and get a good accurate measurement. The car needs to be up in the air on a, on a you know, I've been to tracks that use center blocks, you know, and right. Watertown has a ramp you can drive up on, but not every track has that. And it's not something that's the easiest thing to tech. It's a it's it's a pain to tech it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the uh, I know um, I've seen a few DQs for that, and I always thought that that's I always feel for people because it wouldn't be much to you know again if you don't check it the day you race, and then again if you've changed the car a little bit, and I haven't really paid attention to that much if if um, you know what can affect that a little bit, but I'm guessing, uh, you know, obviously, uh, it's not too, five degrees isn't much to be off. So particularly in some of the older chassis, you can't even move the bars five degrees because they're one inch increments. So. Right. Right. And you know, you can, you can have it in the shop and, and have a, your standard or your base baseline left rear shock on the car and go to the track and you race the track slicks off a little bit you might put a shock on that has a little more gas pressure on the left rear now the left rear is held up in the air uh, more than it was in the shop and, and now you're off outside that five degree deal and it's right. it's just not yeah i, I don't like it. well it's dumb right. in my opinion all right what what else okay if you were the uh oracle of the rules uh what else would you uh update what? um i think they should Allow E85 on all, all, uh, all motor combinations. It's, uh, it's cheap to run. Um, there is a little bit of advantage on the dyno, but 
when you're running nine dollar race gas or if you're blending 50 50 you're right around six bucks a gallon and you can go get e85 for two bucks a gallon you do use a little bit more um a night but you know, i think cost wise that would be another rule that they should look at changing what do you know um, why I, I was thinking they used to have it or did they outlaw it the the open motor i guess they call it is allowed to run the e85 and uh, the crate motor is allowed to run E85. Uh, the concept motor right now is not. Do you know what the thinking of it was? Just to keep the power in check or? You know, I don't know. It could be they, you know, there is an advantage to E85 horsepower in, in torque, but I don't think it's gonna win you a race, you know? Um, what uh, on, on the crate guys are most of those run e eighty five or are they fifty fifty or is it all over uh, the board? No, I'm assuming most of them are on e eighty five. Um, I had to put a crate motor in about the first third of the season. I suppose I broke my motor and I had a crate laying on the floor, and I just stuck with the race gas just because right. I didn't want to have my carburetor converted. But right, um, you know, I'm. I'm not sure what guys are doing. I would assume most guys are running the 85 if they right. can. Okay. Yeah, I I played a round with eth ethanol back when you can have it, but for me it was like way too much maintenance on keeping that carburetor clean. But that's just my take. I wouldn't be opposed yeah. to other people running it. You know, when we did a USRAB mod stuff. We were running on E85, and you know, at the end of that time, my dad was building our motors for us too, and. You know, at the end of the season, you tear the motor down, and them valves and pistons were spick and span. I mean, there wasn't mm -hmm. a piece of carbon on them, and that, that's what I like about the eighty mm -hmm. five. It, it does burn cleaner. Mm -hmm. How any guys don't like? Yeah. What about uh, the quick change thing? You hear a lot of buzz uh, with uh, Midwest mod or B mod drivers on quick change. What's your uh, take on that? Um, I think the quick change is is the biggest thing they need to look at going into this next season. Um, in my opinion, it's cost-wise, you know, I know guys are set up on the nine-inch stuff. They've got all their gears already. Um, they don't want to spend the money on a quick change, and it'd be an option. They want, they don't have to go out and get a, get a quick change. But for a guy that's, you know, building a new car, putting a new car together, and they got to buy a new rear end, you know, there's about a thousand dollar difference just on the housing, you know, nine inch housing is going to cost you about 375 bucks. Um, the quick change rear end will cost you about 1400 bucks. That's without all the brackets. I mean, you got to spend the money on the brackets, whether it's a nine inch or a quick change, but so there's about a thousand dollar difference there. You start buying gears, a, a brand new set of gears, standard weight gears are going to cost you about $560 mm -hmm. in a, a brand new set of standard weight quick change gears are 70 bucks a piece. Well, you've got four sets of gears. There's about a $935 difference from the nine inch to the, the quick change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you guys are going to make the argument, well, I can go buy used gears for, for 200 bucks or 250 bucks. Right. Yeah, you can. But why is the guy selling them? You know, are they all ready to fall apart, you know, used is used and you don't know what you got. Right. Um, you can go buy the used set of quick change gears for, for 25, 30 bucks. So, I mean, right. you, you can make the argument all day from used to new, but if you compare apples to apples, 
uh, the quick change to the nine inch in the long run, especially if you've got more than four sets of gears, or more than three sets of gears, right. quick changes would be a cheaper option. Yeah. And I think it's gonna promote guys to go race other tracks. You know, there's nights I'd love to go to Wilmer, and Wilmer's about a three hour drive for me, but I could go race Wilmer on Thursday night, and then go to Aberdeen or somewhere on Friday and race, and I don't have to worry about getting my gears changed. It's a it's a five minute process with that quick change set of gears. Yeah, I, I think I, another would be in the early part of the year when it's raining all the time. Right. And somebody's in Fergus Falls and they rain out and they're stuck with a nine inch gear in a car. They're not going to try to get somewhere where maybe they could run to Aberdeen or run to right. for uh, Grand Forks, and they've got two minutes to yeah. change a set of gears and they can race. Yeah. I, I think it's a great idea. I don't know where everybody else yeah. in the class their head is at on it. But that's yeah, my opinion. when I was kind of uh, kicking the kicking the card on that, you know, it seemed like about ninety five percent of the racers were definitely game for optional uh, quick change gears. And I would even say, you know, the time, you know, uh, safety. There's just a number of reasons for it. And you're right, you can find. $250, $300 gears, but uh, at the same token, if you're um, to share the secrets of a rich man is that uh, my gears are lightened. So, uh, you know, I mean, the reality of it is, um, and if you want to race a lot of tracks, uh, you know, I've got 486, 500, 514, 529, 543, 557, 567, 583, uh, 600, 614, 620, 633, and 650s. And which is, uh, that's a pickup bed full. And um, yeah. the, um, and most of which are, um, um, a lot of which are lightened. So uh, just because if you're going to, if you do buy used gears, invariably they're not very good, and so you have to have them rebuilt. And so, if you're going to rebuild them, you do lighten. But I think for safety, time is an optional thing. It's kind of a no-brainer whether it's a mod person selling his his or her used modified. It already has a quick change in it, and I think USRA. I wanted to talk to someone with USRA on how it's going there. I think with them, they just said, hey, here's the gears you can run kind of deal of like these common sets or whatever to kind of balance it out. But I would think, personally, I don't even think they you need- uh, My brother, Tyler races uh, USRA BMOD and they didn't put a stipulation on no. what ratios you can run. They can right. run. And so he can, he can run what he wants and he can change them in the middle of the night if he needs to, you know? And, and, and the, the reality of it, too, is even with quick change, if you really want to, uh, you can change regular gears between heat and feature if you're really, uh, you know, I think we did it like four different times this year. Um, it's not fun. Nobody wants to do it. And, of course, people say that there's an advantage that you can change your gears. But, again, I think there's things one can do to figure that, that issue out. Uh, but, anyway... Um, anything else you see with that that uh, would help uh, the B mod uh, Midwest modified in Wasota or anything you'd like with USRA that you think uh, Wasota ought to think about or IMCA or no, whatever? I, I think 
sticking with the quick change deal would would make a big difference. Guys, you know, you get over to Deer Creek, um, Mississippi Thunder over in there, and then guys can come and race with soda when when their USRA track may have rained out. Um, I think that's the big thing is that that rear end. I, I really hope that's something they look at. Yeah, the, I do think too the personally you know there's some issues with the weight too you know like someone like me who's 130 pounds i got like 325 pounds of weight on my car uh whereas i think like the uh the your traditional b mod throughout the country whether you call it an x mod whether you call it a um midwest mod b mod sport mod uh e mod if you're in the florida the southeast or you know in that 24 50 2500 range um on weight and uh i think uh anyway just yeah yeah the weight the weight they could cut that down you know right now with the constant motors at 26 25 um in usra the constant motor guys they have to be that 26 25 but the open motor guys i might be wrong but i think they can weigh 24 50 is their lowest weight in yeah. yeah. There's a safety there too when you're bolting right. like you said three hundred some pounds of lead on the back of your car wherever you place it. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah the I think it's like twenty twenty five hundred would be would be a good spot. Yeah. Um how about what what any winter racing plans or plans for next season? No I'm uh Get started on a new car here in the next couple of weeks, I guess, and kind of do the same deal that I did that I did last summer. Um, I've always got family stuff going on. Yeah. Vacations what, and whatnot. What tracks do you normally race? I mean, what are your regular regular gigs? Um, this year is, you know, I kind of bounced all over. I took some time off in July. We had a lot going on, but I mainly went to Aberdeen, did some Watertown, and went to Madison quite a bit. Miller a couple mm -hmm. times. It's kind of kind of my main racing area this year. Cool, cool. I know uh, not to. Uh, um, you you probably had better years because you said this year we haven't had the best year. Only one, two times. You realize that's two more times than most people who race. Yeah, winning uh, is the worst thing that could happen to a person, and you win that first race, and then it's it's just never enough. So. Yeah, yeah. The my my uh, first year I won once. My second year four times. My third year uh, eight times. My uh, fourth year twelve times, and uh, that fifth year was a real bitch because I didn't. Have, you know, I mean, it didn't keep going up. And uh, the uh, this year we had our best year, but of course I think you got to have a lot of a lot of things. One, I got to race a lot, but you have a lot of things have to line up from, as you know, in the shop, motor, right. uh, you know, draw stuff. I mean, I was pretty lucky at the draw this year. Um, it favored for me on the, you know, you only had to qualify, right? So I didn't, there wasn't this pressure to have to win a heat, you know, and a lot of those kind of things where, uh, uh, what do you think of the new point system? Like it? Don't like it? I do like it. I like it a lot. Um, it's basically the same point system that USRA had when I was racing, racing USRA. Um, I don't, I don't like the point.
points for the heat race. I think just kind of do the transfer deal like they did this year. And then, you know, you, there's a different point spread as it goes throughout the field. So I think that kind of opens it up for the guys that are consistently finishing first and second versus the guys that are finishing third and fourth. Mm -hmm. you know, kind of makes them first place and second place finishes more valuable than, than a third place Right. I like I like the point system there. Huh? Yeah. Well, I liked it too. Where uh, even if you're starting twentieth, uh, for the points aspect of it, it wasn't a throwaway night because even, yeah, you know, it's it's not unthinkable to think you if you keep your nose clean, you start twentieth and don't run into people and avoid a few wrecks that you're gonna you can get close to the top five, which. If you're, quote, points racing, that's what you want is top fives, top threes, and be consistent. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and with the way they did it last year, the points for the heat races, you can start in the back of the heat and somebody banging around and you get a tire cut down in the deal, and, and then you just as well call the night and go home. Yeah. I like that they got. Yeah. You know? Cool, cool. Um, anything uh, at the tracks you do race at? Anything that you've seen that you thought was really cool that other tracks should do more of? Well, I didn't. I didn't really get out and about much this year. Um, you know, like Watertown, I raced there a bit at the beginning of the year, but I like how they get the kids involved with their uh, little battery-operated cars that they got, their tractors or their. Hot Wheels, I guess they get let them come out on the track and race down the front straightaway. Yeah, um, I think that's cool. The kids, kids are really jacked up that night when they they know they they get to go out on the racetrack and mm -hmm. run down the front straightaway. I think that's pretty neat. Cool, cool. Uh, anyone you'd like to thank that helps you race or uh, helps you in the shop or uh, before we sign off here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, New Horizon Lounge on Lake Preston came on board for me this year. Supplied me with beer for the season, so that was, <laughs> that was a pretty cool sponsor. Um, Holland Beam Rentals and Holland Construction, uh, Jesse Vincent Construction, Isles uh, Highmark LLC Trucking. Uh, that's my father-in-law. He's he's helped me out. Schulte Properties, uh, Jason Schulte, a buddy of mine, paid to put a wrap on the car this year, so that was pretty nice. Of course, Powered by Handel. He does my carburetors, builds my motors for me. Mel and Ken Decker. Um, Ken helps me at the racetrack every week, comes over to my shop and helps me work on the car during the week. So I, it'd be hard to do it without him. I really appreciate his help. Um, then Dirt Nymph Chassis, that's my dad. He builds our race cars for us. Um, I wouldn't race if we had to, had to go out and buy a chassis every couple of years. So it's, it's nice doing our own deal. It's a lot of fun. And then of course my wife, she puts up with a lot of shit throughout the summer and uh, I really appreciate her letting me do what I love to do every week. So. Yeah, the uh, I think, uh, yeah, yeah uh, if you're racing, your uh, family certainly uh, certainly is uh, has to be supportive to help the cause and sometimes that's uh, a lot of sacrifice there. Um, when, um, one of the things in business that uh, when back when I owned Real Truck, we used to always do is send out um try to really show the family of folks who worked at real truck the appreciation because uh, obviously in anything you're doing sometimes there's some 
family sacrifice for. And uh, I always think that's uh, impressive when uh, teams and organizations uh, are appreciative of the family and the family support that goes along with it. So that's very cool um, that your uh, wife uh, helps cause and uh, in, the, in, the, in, in the way she uh, knows how. And uh, anyway, um, I appreciate you coming on the show. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Uh, any uh, parting words you'd like to pass on to the uh, folks who are uh, tuning in? I guess thing, you know, again, back to these rural things that we did talk about, um, get in contact with your track promoters and let them know how you feel about different, you know, not even the ones we talked about tonight, but whatever rules they'd like to see change. Uh, whether you disagree or agree with some of the stuff we talked about, um, our track promoters need to know what the drivers want so they can go to the annual meeting here uh, next month and, and give a soda their input on what the drivers would like to see change. Very cool. Uh, appreciate that. And thanks, uh, Scotty Paulson, if you're listening. Uh, sorry we lost you. It was uh, uh, great chatting with you. And Tracy Johnson, I uh, want to thank our uh, sponsors, Weir's Machine, who makes trick stuff for race cars. Uh, check them out, weirsmachine.com. Uh, like up their Facebook page and uh, also want to uh, thank uh, Redheaded Rebel Brew Coffee Fuel uh, for Rebels, Game Changers, and Rule Breakers, uh, rhrbrew.com. Thanks everybody for tuning in um, and um, for this week and sorry for the technical difficulties, so I'm getting tired of apologizing for that. Um, I do have a way to do this show without technical difficulties, but not live. So live adds some complexity uh, to it, and we'll see if we can't figure out something for next week. Um, anyway, uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks again, Tracy and Scotty Paulson. And uh, remember, leave it better than you found it. Take care, all.